This is VOCM News Talk. Call 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of this station. Here's VOCM News Talk host Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, uh, Claudette, are you fully recovered yet? <laughs> I scared she did. the living daylights she out did. of Claudette earlier today and it wasn't intentional no, you, you know most people don't have to do much i just not <laughs> have to like notice that your body was next to me i wasn't expecting anyone else in the control room <laughs> so um, <laughs> just to give our audience a little picture of what it's like behind the scenes yes um we are often uh, relaying information back and forth uh, because we are uh you know we're providing information to the public. So when we receive information, we relay it. And sometimes the fastest way to do that is just to stand up next next to somebody and say, we just got a call about an accident, right. blah, and, blah, blah. And I had the door open, not yes. closed. So uh, Claudette is in the control. We call it the control room because she has control <laughs> over everything except my sudden appearance. So uh, she had the door open because she likes a little bit of ventilation. So I saw that she was on the air giving out the weather. And she was doing a fabulous job at it, too, by the way, as she always does in her most professional way. And uh, so I'm not by bothering her or you know waving at her or anything i'm just standing quietly in the doorway uh waiting for her to turn off her her light her mic so i can relay a bit of information to her about a a, a traffic accident that had been uh, sent our way and um she uh, as she's doing her thing she's wrapping up and she concludes with and a wind chill of minus 23 i think it, <laughs> yes, was. it was and as she's doing that she's turning to you know hit the buttons that she needs to hit to get the next thing on the go and here i am <laughs> hello <laughs> and out of her mouth in case you were wondering why she was saying it so emphatically she said and a, a wind chill of minus 23 <laughs> um that's exactly what i did anyway that was me that was my fault yeah. And I apologize profusely, but I thought I would do that again. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny because normally maybe I would be, when I'm surprised, sometimes not really nice words will come out of my mouth. (laughs) And like, I was worried because it was, it was live and you scared me and I didn't curse. Like that was amazing. And it was a genuine, it was a genuine reaction. I knew I I didn't just like, oh, there you are. It was like, ah! I was like, minus 23. <laughs> the two eyeballs just, boom, came right open. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, that's what that was all about. But, uh, you know, it's all fun and games in this in this business until somebody loses an eye, as they say. <laughs> so, uh, sorry about that, Claudette. Uh, I, I really am. And, uh, you know, but the emphasis that you placed on that was genuine because um. it is really really cold oh, we're not yeah. used to this kind of cold well we're not like i especially I mean, after the winter we've been having which has been relatively mild yeah i went out at lunchtime and i mean i don't want to complain about it but le- just going from the station door to my car it was almost unbearable and i had a jacket on and i had a hat on and i was done by the time i got to my car it <laughs> well, was cold um i'm sure i wasn't the only parent oh, this morning who yeah. was like okay now 
this is how you're going to dress today, yeah. right? And uh, getting a lot of pushback, I must say. Wear a hat uh, because exposed skin, and you know. Yes. Uh, I know what I'm talking about because we repeat these things over and over, over and over and over again ad nauseum. And uh, I was getting a lot of pushback from uh, someone who's uh, been on this planet for 13 years, just saying. And uh, he, uh, so I had to pull out my old gem, uh, having grown up in Montreal, where it gets bitterly cold. And we used to have ice crystal warnings. The people in Labrador will know exactly oh, what I'm talking about. Ice crystal warnings, yeah. Where the moisture in the air actually crystallizes. <laughs> it's, it's when it's really cold, like <sighs> minus 30-ish okay. in that realm, right? And uh, when you're breathing that in, your nose sticks together. Has that ever happened to you where your inside of your nose just goes... As a child, I remember that happening. And yeah. you get that down your lungs, and it makes you cough, and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. So I, uh, I pulled that little gem out. You know, <laughs> your your nose, you're gonna you freeze your nose and get stuck together. And what, mom? You yeah, uh, anyway? I was like, I know what I'm talking about. Put your stuff on. And then I had to explain what frostbite is, because you know, to somebody who doesn't know, right? They don't know. Right. Anyway. Anyway. So um, there you Love go. Love your imitation. <laughs> so uh, you know, a little edumacation was going on in the uh, the porch of my house this morning. Uh, edumacation and a bit of an argument. But anyway, there you go. And still, uh, you see the kids going out on the bus stops. Yeah. Not appropriately, not appropriately dressed. Now, um, I can't judge that because guess who did that herself? Oh yeah, I did too. I didn't wear socks. What? In boots. What? It was a thing, and it drove my family nuts. But I just didn't want to wear socks. So to each his own. Right, and I can. Claudette I, ex- exercising her individuality <laughs> with her little tootsies rolling freely Freezing. around inside of her boot. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just parents sometimes say you, you can't rationalize with the kids. You just yeah. have to just let them figure it out that they are going to be cold. Now, I can remember going to school wearing a jacket, mm-hmm. you know, a winter jacket and with a scarf around my neck. But the scarf hung. Right. right. It was one of those little super long scarves, yeah. you know, hanging, coat wide open. Yes. And hands in the pocket. And if it got cold, you just sort of bring your hands together. Yeah. But you never did up your coat. Right. You wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, because it was cool. Like, you know, like it's minus 30. You have to have the and zipper down. ice crystals in the air, but I'm wearing my coat with my coat open. Uh, anyway, somehow I survived, and there you go. So I can impart these things. I know what I'm talking about, man, 13-year-old. Uh, so there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, how long is this uh, cold snap going to last? Yeah. We're going to get some relief. Uh, Ian Hubbard with the Environment Canada Weather Centre spoke with VOCM's Richard Duggan seconds ago. Yeah, I don't have any information on records at this point, uh, but those will be uh, official as the, during the overnight hours. Um but certainly uh, clear skies uh, today as that Arctic air mass moved off and uh, saw a lot of temperatures, uh, say, double digits below zero today. And added with that, we had some winds causing some windshield eyes to be quite cold uh, across the island as well. How are things looking, looking right now across the province? Uh, right now we're seeing uh, temperatures anywhere from about uh, minus 9 to 
depending on how far north you go, uh, maybe minus uh, 12, minus 13. And some of those wind chill values, as we're seeing uh, winds gusting up to uh, 50, uh, some areas up as much as 60 kilometers per hour along the coast, uh, we're seeing the wind chill values anywhere from minus 15 to uh, about minus 20 uh, at this hour. So now I know a lot of people when they go out and, and, and they feel this type of cold chill go through their bones, the main question on everyone's mind is when is it going to end? Uh, is there any end in sight where things may start to warm up a little bit? Yeah, we are going to see the temperatures rise. They're not going to get uh, uh, warm as in above freezing, but certainly they're not going to be as cold as we saw today. So a lot of that cold air is going to be pulling off overnight. And uh, by the time morning rolls around, we will start to see uh, the temperatures get a lot closer to freezing. So probably around the minus three, minus four range by morning. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, temperatures are going to stay steady right around zero for, the, for uh, eastern parts of the island. Uh, is there any indication in the, the longer range about uh, a return to some of these frigid temperatures, or is everything pretty on par for the season? Uh, well, right now we're looking at uh, kind of a, a ridge of high pressure is going to be setting up for uh, most of the next couple of days. We do have a little bit of flurries that are going to be uh, going through, giving a few centimeters to some areas tomorrow. But otherwise, uh, ridge of high pressure, that tends to uh, keep skies clear, but also is, a, is usually a pretty good uh, avenue for pumping in some of that cold air from the north. So expect to see temperatures uh uh, dip down again uh, over the next, certainly in the evenings, but uh, maybe by uh, Friday we'll see some temperatures only get up to about minus six once again. So that's Ian Hubbard with the Environment Canada Weather Centre in Gander speaking with VOCM's Richard Duggan. And uh, we can expect uh, minus three to minus four by morning. Sure, you'll be kicking those covers off <laughs> come six o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, you won't need, uh, I, I tell you, it's funny how the, the threshold changes. You know, we're, we're so cold right now, but that just seems balmy. It does, it does. Yeah. Um, guaranteed, you're going to see a pair of shorts. Yes. <laughs> and a tricycle. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, talk about forecasts. Uh, we'll have another one when we come back after the break. Uh, we're going to talk about interest rates. And the Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem uh, pro um, uh, provided another update today. Uh, we'll tell you more about that when we come back right after this. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And we are back. Well, the Bank of Canada, of course, has uh, held its key interest rate at 5% today, signaling that it has uh, begun discussions when it should start cutting rates. Uh, Governor Tiff Macklem says discussions at the central bank shifting from whether its key policy rate is high enough to how long it needs to maintain it at 5%. Economists widely expecting the central bank to maintain its benchmark rate, but we're waiting to see if the Bank of Canada would indicate a pivot towards rate cut considerations, which I'm sure a lot of uh, mortgage holders are uh, hopeful to hear. Well, Canada's inflation rate has steadily declined over the last year and a half, but ticked up again in December to 3.4%. Tiff Macklin, however, maintains that the central bank is not ruling out more rate hikes if inflation doesn't cooperate. Here's some of what he had to say earlier today. Our message today is twofold. First, monetary policy is working to relieve price pressures and we need to stay the course. 
Inflation is coming down as higher interest rates restrain demand in the economy. But inflation is still too high and underlying inflationary pressures persist. We need to give these higher interest rates time to do their work. Second, with overall demand in the economy no longer running ahead of supply, Governing Council's discussion of monetary policy is shifting from whether our policy rate is restrictive enough to restore price stability to how long it needs to stay at the current level. In Canada, economic growth stalled in the middle of 2023. For many Canadians, the combination of higher prices and higher interest rates has been difficult. But past interest rate increases have helped the economy rebalance, and this is relieving price pressures. Lower energy prices and improvements in global supply chains have also helped to bring inflation down. Growth is expected to remain flat in the near term. With weak demand in the economy, upward pressure on prices should continue to moderate and inflation is expected to ease further. The share of CPI components that are rising faster than 3% has declined substantially and should continue to normalize. But tightness in some parts of the economy is continuing to hold inflation up. The most prominent of these is housing. Inflation in shelter services remains high, close to 7%, because of rising mortgage interest costs, higher rents, and other housing costs. And while food prices are not increasing as fast as they were, food price inflation is still about 5%. Finally, inflation in services excluding shelter has improved, but there are signs that price pressures remain. All this push and pull on inflation means that further declines in inflation are likely to be gradual and uneven. That suggests the path, path back to 2% inflation will be slow and risks remain. Overall, our outlook for growth and inflation is largely unchanged from the October report. Economic growth is expected to be modest in 2024, weak in the first half before picking up around the middle of the year and rising to about 2.5% next year. With downward and upward forces largely offsetting in the near term, CPI inflation is expected to remain close to 3% over the first half of this year. It is then expected to ease to about 2.5% by the end of the year and return to the target in 2025. In two weeks, we will release our summary of deliberations, which provides more detail about our monetary policy discussions. But let me give you a sense of that discussion. As always, Governing Council was focused on the decision at hand, the current policy rate. And there was a clear consensus to maintain our policy rate at 5%. We did, of course, discuss where we see the economy and inflation going and what that could mean for monetary policy going forward. What came through in the deliberations is that Governing Council's discussions about future policy is shifting from whether monetary policy is restricted enough to how long to maintain the current restrictive stance. That doesn't mean we've ruled out further policy rate increases. If new developments push inflation higher, we may still need to raise rates. But what it does mean is that if the economy evolves broadly in line with the projection we published today, I expect future discussions will be about how long we maintain the policy rate at 
Governing Council is concerned about the persistence of underlying inflation. We want to see inflationary pressures continue to ease and clear downward momentum in underlying inflation. We also discussed the risks to the economy and inflation. We are trying to balance the risks of over and under tightening. We don't want to cool the economy more than necessary. But we don't want Canadians to have to continue to live with elevated inflation either. We remain focused on a number of indicators of underlying inflationary pressures. We need to see further and sustained easing in core inflation. With the economy now looking to be in modest excess supply, demand pressures have abated. Corporate pricing behaviour has continued to normalise. At the same time, measures of near-term inflation expectations and wage growth suggest that underlying inflationary pressures remain. Let me conclude. We've come a long way from the peak of inflation in 2022. Monetary policy is working and we need to continue to let it work. We remain resolute in our commitment to return inflation to the 2% target. So that is Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklin explaining some of the reasons why um, they're um, starting to discuss the possibility, perhaps, of seeing how long interest rates remain at 5%. Uh, so uh, talking about um, continued rising uh, mortgage interest rates costs, which are caused by uh, the Bank of Canada, of course, and uh, food inflation, which, although, as he indicated, isn't rising as quickly as it once was is still at about the 5% mark. So that is having a big impact. Of course, housing and groceries having a big impact on overall inflation rates, and they want to see it below that 2% rate before they start thinking about bringing rates down again. Uh, it, uh, inflation, although it had been um, dropping over the last little while, uh, spiked again in December by 3.4%, perhaps pushed in part by um, the you know busy shopping holiday season. Uh, remains to be seen, but uh, there you have it. Well, plenty of speculation out there uh, following uh, reports that charges could be pending against several members of Canada's 2018 junior hockey team uh, connected to an alleged group sexual assault of a woman following a Hockey Canada gala in London, Ontario. Citing two unnamed sources, the Globe and Mail reports the five players have been told to surrender to authorities to face charges of sexual assault. And of course, a lot of people who are watching the hockey world very closely and, uh, you know, taking that 2018 roster, uh, watching very closely and seeing who has suddenly dipped out or ducked out for the time being um, and uh, some of those names have been uh, circulating widely on uh, social media in particular. It was later revealed that the national organization maintained a fund drawing on minor hockey fees to pay for uninsured liabilities. That was a huge scandal when uh, when that hit uh, including lawsuits related to sexual assaults and of course that saw a complete upheaval with uh, Hockey Canada's board of directors. Yeah, a shocking I mean, when we think about hockey, we think about it as being kind of intrinsic to uh, Canadian culture, if you will. And uh, yes, we have uh, a great interest in the sport, but it is, after all, a sport. And the people who are playing that sport are held uh, to a certain uh, standard, standard uh, because they have great 
um, influence. Influence, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, they're ordinary people like any of us with a great talent, of course. Uh, but uh, because of that, people look up to them and they're held to a much higher standard. And I'm not saying that anything that's alleged here is right on any level because it's not. It's criminal behavior. Um, but when something like this happens with people that we uh, watch very closely and in some cases hold as icons, um, it, uh, it has that reverberating effect, if you will. And so uh, we'll be watching this one very closely as the news comes down. Well, when we come back after the news break with Sarah Strickland, we're going to get a little breakdown and a little update from the provincial government uh, about the whole ride-sharing licensing situation that we saw evolve this week um, with a, um, uh, a license presented and then subsequently suspended for a period of time and uh, VOCM's Brian Callahan will break some of that down for us. He's the one who's been following that the most closely. Uh, we'll come back right after this. Get lost in the music of legendary artists like Elton John, The Beatles and more. Join Claudette Barnes every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. and relive fond memories through the power of music with Sunday Melodies on your VOCM. And we are back. Well, as you know, the big news yesterday was uh, uh, a story that was broken by VOCM's Brian Callahan related to the suspension of the first ride-sharing license in the province uh, to be presented, I suppose, or, or delivered or... Introduced. Introduced. Um, if and you will. It is, uh, it is an intriguing story. Um, just to take you back for a little bit, um, uh, last Friday, as you recall, there was an announcement that uh, the provincial government would be introducing the uh, owner of a company who was the first in the in the province to receive a ride-sharing license uh, from the provincial government following uh, you know the renewed legislation that they put out there and subsequently VOCM's uh, Brian Callahan learned that, that uh, a man matching that name was actually before the courts um, yeah. facing pr some pretty serious charges. And I'd be lying, Linda, if I didn't say that I saw, I've, I've, I've recognized his name on the docket, but never put two and two together. And I suspect that's probably what happened at Confederation Building. I mean, it's not like Digital NL or di uh, Service NL and um, Digital Government and Service NL are checking the dockets every day and are into the world of JSP, Justice and Public Safety. So you can kind of see that until the name became a public entity, the name of the company, the name of the gentleman, it probably didn't ring any alarm bells because the government is saying it was only on the same day that they approved or they announced this uh, license and we should say there was a news conference scheduled but that was cancelled um, but and there may be other things going on that may or may not be related the problem is we're left here again to sort of piece this together as to what happened. So we're told that the government received new information on Friday that caused them to suspend the license, but they didn't say anything publicly about that. It wasn't until we made an inquiry on Monday that they said, yes, it had been suspended. I suspect they're still doing their due diligence and homework and trying to figure out how this happened. So now in a release this afternoon, we have a little bit more insight to it. And again, we're left to kind of read between the lines here, but um, this statement from uh, uh, Digital Government Service and L today, spokesman, spokesperson, um, begins just again reiterating that you know the process was followed here, and they also provide a link to the requirements for operators and drivers. And the one anomaly I seem to th see here after first reviewing it and then going back over the requirements 
there is certainly a very straightforward and clear requirement for a criminal records check for the drivers of these vehicles. It seems that uh, the owner-operator, Mr. Yosayev Tesfamichael, seems to be the issue here, whether or not he has to have a criminal records check and whether it matters if he has a criminal record because he's not the person driving the vehicle. Now, you and I would both say, you know, uh, and again, these are allegations. These are charges. There's no conviction here. So, uh, you know, we are all so quick to jump to that. We, we have to remember that these are charges and allegations. But I would say in the tangly world of government red tape and legalities, they're trying to find out whether or not this is uh, uh, not permitted, whether he can or not have charges against him, which may ultimately be dismissed. He could be found not guilty. He could be found guilty. We don't know what will happen. It's not happening until October, the trial. I guess the question is for government uh, why he would not openly you know, be uh, transparent about that. And again, um, Mr. Um, Tesfa Michael is a new Canadian. He moved here from Eritrea, the African country of uh, Eritrea in 2013-2014 time period. So, you know, maybe he is versed and maybe he isn't, but uh, in, in the rules of, you know, Western world or specifically Newfoundland and Labrador. But again, the point seems to be here that you know, the rules are different for the owner-operator than they are for the actual driver who would be taking away around and have the trust issue of someone in the back of your vehicle. So that seems to be the gray area here. They're not coming right out and saying that they're going to suspend, that he w- that the license, it's again, it's suspended until further notice. It's not done, it's not a done deal. So I would say it's quite possible that there are a lot of machinations behind the scenes here saying, you know, there's nothing in law or there is something in law that says he can can or cannot. And then there's the optics of it. So, you know, does government have any control over that? Because this is a license. It's a contract. It's a they're awarding it. And if once you award the license, they have to have good reason to revoke it or suspend it. And right now there may even be a gray area as to whether or not they had a right to suspend it. We don't know. All we know is we brought these, you know, we, we learned of the charges and of the gentleman with the same name as the, the gentleman who is running this company. And of course, I've had two conversations, one, both of them very brief and abrupt. Um, so that seems to be where it stands. Should add also that, the, you know, the government adds to this news release today that um, they have others in the queue waiting. Uh, Cabby, the, the other company with a K, uh, they have their application in and it's working its way through motor vehicle registration, as well as Uber. Uh, they have advised the department that they'll be applying for a license uh, to operate in the province, and they hope to be up and running by the tour season. So, and that's news. Uh, because, that is news. Uh, um, yeah. As of Monday, I believe it was, they said that neither Uber nor Lyft yep. had put in an application. Now we it's, know that they have. It seems this may have triggered something. You know, I mean, it made news. Uh, we know now that the one that was awarded is in a holding pattern, if nothing else. We just don't know what will happen there. Uh, once the government figures out what, if anything, um, they want to do with that license. Uh, lift the suspension, wait till see what happens in October with the man's trial. I, I just don't know. Uh, again, it's a gray area. The, you know, the, the internal workings of those two departments, um, at this point, they're just trying to figure out if there's anything illegal, I guess, about what has happened here. Um, obviously, these are charges, so there's nothing illegal there yet. These are charges exactly what they are but in any event you know it, it, it just makes you wonder about the process and and maybe they'll even look at the process as to whether or not the owner should be 
also have a criminal records check because that would seem normal although uh, you know on the on the face of it you'd be more concerned about the drivers on the front lines you know uh, but there's nothing to say that uh, Mr. Tesfa Michael can't be a driver or may not have applied for a driver a license himself to be one of those 10 drivers we don't know so again we're waiting for more detail we're getting it in piecemeal fashion uh, again it seems like a lot's going on behind the scenes to try to figure this out uh, but that's all we have for today and so bottom line is they're pointing out that drivers do have to have criminal checks not necessarily the owner operator and that cabbie and uber are waiting in the wings to fill this gap that unexpectedly hit government uh, upside the head on friday Brian, uh, thank you very much for this. Very welcome, Linda, anytime. And uh, we'll be keeping you up to date on any um, updates on that because, as uh, we all know, uh, ride-sharing services is one of the many uh, gaps, I suppose, in service that um, Newfoundland and Labrador currently has, and people have been looking for that kind of service. Thank you, Brian. And... um, Uh, people have great interest, especially those who uh, require um, uh, ride-sharing or or cab services um, on a fairly regular basis. So uh, we're watching that one very closely. Another thing we're watching very closely, and I'm going to share this one with you, and I am a bit of a nerd when it comes to these kinds of things, as you may know, is uh, there's been uh, an exciting find on the province's southwest coast. And as we know, um, Hurricane Fiona um, really did extraordinary damage on the southwest coast two years ago, or uh, just over a year ago, I should say, in September of 2022. And uh, that whole coastline, we saw how the uh, ocean had just clawed the land back into the ocean. We saw the devastation that was wrought there. But one of the things that's being revealed now is that this coastal erosion is um, turning up some interesting finds on that historic coast. So we'll uh, keep you up to date on one of the things that has shown up recently in a beautiful Cape Ray when we come back after the break. This is News Talk on VOCM. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Well, maritime history buffs excited by a shipwreck uncovered by erosion and pushed onto the sandy shore near Cape Ray by pounding surf a huge intact portion of the hull of a wooden sailing ship suddenly showed up on the southwest coast beach which was pummeled by the fury of hurricane fiona as you recall and i don't know if you've seen pictures of this or not claudette but this is absolutely massive and clearly a big portion of what was once a huge sailing ship. I'm interested now to hear. A wooden sailing ship, can you imagine? It's not the kind of thing you see just sitting on the beach every day. And imagine now the power of nature to push something, obviously, that's been buried under the sand for who knows how long. We'll find out now in a minute. uh, To expose that and then push that up onto the shore so people are looking at it and taking pictures of it and history people are fascinated by this thing well i was thinking to myself who can i talk to about this well you know who i'm going to talk to neil burgess of the shipwreck preservation society joins me now well hello neil 
Hi. It's been it's a... great to be with you, Linda. Yeah, and it's been a while since we chatted, but there's some exciting stuff happening lately, and I couldn't help but notice uh, this um, looks like a great big portion of, you know, on the surface anyway, what looks like to be uh, the timbers from potentially a very old ship that have suddenly been exposed and washed up in the Cape Ray area. What do we know about it? Well, I mean, it, it, it appears to be part of the hull of an old sailing ship. Uh, and it's quite, uh, it's a huge piece of uh, of wood hull. The, the keel timber seems to be there. It's like a foot by a foot and about 50 feet long. And then there's planking from the hull going up each side of what it would have been the 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 hull of the ship and it's all upside down on a sandy beach down near Cape Ray. And people have been going down and taking pictures of it and sharing them on Facebook and social media. And we're getting to look at them and it's amazing. It's, it's, uh, it looks to be quite an old ship, probably from the 1800s. And there's a bunch of features of it that help us tell what kind of era in terms of time period it came from. And what are those features? Well, some of it is the the planking of the hull appears to be attached with um, what are called trunnels. They're wooden dowels or pegs that are um, about an inch in diameter, and they were hammered into holes that were drilled in the planks to hold them to the frames of the ship. Um, to make up the hull, and there's there's all kinds of those that are, seem to be coming out of the hull now. They're expanding and, and coming out, and there's also copper pegs that are about the same size. Um, they're long rods of copper that were used as fasteners, and there's a bunch of those that you can see sticking out of the keel, and some of them are bent bent over. And the the other thing we can see is that there's um, heavy, tim- heavy timbers that were used for the planking, and they seem to be black in color. Um, and it looks like the hull was covered in pitch or tar um, to help preserve the wood. And then on top of that, there seems to be some sheathing of uh, planks of, of thinner wood that seem to be uh, have been used to protect the hull. Uh, from damage, and that might be a, a really hard wood, like greenheart uh, is a South American wood that was sometimes used that's a really hard hardwood, and it would uh, protect the the hull from from impacts with the bottom. So these features, anything about these features in particular that might help to point towards the identity of this particular ship? Well, the fact that there's trunnels, the wooden dowels and copper rods makes me think it's probably from the 1800s because it's uh, the trunnels are typical of older construction of larger ships and the copper rods um, came into use in the 1800s so that that that's kind of pointing me in that direction and knowing that people um, from all over I've been suggesting on Facebook possible sailing ships that were wrecked on that coast that that this ship might be. 
So what do we know about uh, known shipwrecks in that area of that general era? Well, Cape Ray, um, where where this <clears throat> hull fragment was found, is kind of like Cape Race. There was so much ship traffic going by there, it was a bit of a magnet for shipwrecks when the weather got bad. So there's no shortage of possibilities uh, in terms of shipwrecks that occurred down there that might be this ship. So it's going to be a bit difficult to put a name to this one because there's actually too many, there's almost too many possibilities of what it might be. But, I mean, we'll take a look at it. Unfortunately, because this is just a, a fragment of the entire hull, we, we can't get an accurate length for the ship, which would have been great in helping us identify which ship this exactly was. So you've been able to give it a general era or date, uh, but is there anything about the construction that's obvious there that might help locate it, i.e. American-made, British, French? Uh, Looking at photos on Facebook, unfortunately, has some limitations. So um, if, if somebody who was familiar with ship's construction was able to visit and look closely at stuff, they might be able to figure out like what wood species it was, uh, the different parts are made from and that. But I can't do that just looking at pictures from Facebook. So um, I'm I'm not sure we're going to get a lot closer to identifying the origin of this ship or the actual name of it. But that, I mean, if somebody was willing to spend thousands of dollars Um, You could go down and take cores of the wood and do radiocarbon dating to, you know, establish when, uh, what era the wood is from and all that kind of thing. So you, you could do a lot more, but it would take a lot of money to do that. And is there any concern now that, uh, you know, this should be somehow preserved or could this now, you know, obviously this was somehow protected, covered up in some way and exposed presumably through Fiona and other uh, wave action there. But uh, any way that it can be preserved? Well, it again, that would be really, really expensive because unfortunately wood that's been soaking in salt water for century perhaps or more <clears throat> is very expensive to uh, preserve. So, I mean, you can imagine this is a huge piece uh, of the hull that would weigh tons and tons. So even just moving it would be a major effort. Uh, you know, a lot of heavy equipment and it'd be very possible. It'd be a real possibility of damaging it uh, because it's probably heavy because it's waterlogged. And then preserving it, you've got to soak the salt out of it and you've got to add uh, preservatives to to make sure it doesn't shrink and crack and bend and warp and fall apart. So the the current practice around the world is what they call in-situ preservation. You leave things where they are and you do your best to protect them. So nature is going to naturally uh, tend to bury this on in sand because it's on a beach and the sand will slowly accumulate around it and being buried in sand will actually help preserve it because it locks out the oxygen that um, bacteria would use to deteriorate the wood rot the wood so I guess in the meantime just uh, take as many pictures and collect as much information as possible 
That's it. And I, I'd encourage people not to try to take souvenirs. Um, this is uh, an archaeological site, and it's protected by provincial legislation. So taking souvenirs, um, you know, removing artifacts from this uh, wreck is actually illegal under provincial law. So I'd encourage people to respect the wreck, take lots of pictures, you know, wonder about where it came from and who was on it and what the name of the ship was, but please leave it alone and we'll see um, what happens to it over the course of time. Do you expect now in this uh, post-Fiona age that uh, more and more of these kinds of discoveries will be seen, particularly along that coast that's seen so much change and erosion? Yes, I, I think that's true. I mean, we, we all saw the, the pictures during Fiona of the erosion of the coastline there, and the huge swells that were pounding that shore would have... Um, rearrange things on the seafloor in the inshore area a lot. So wrecks like this that were perhaps on the bottom, uh, a little bit off the beach, will have been thrown around and subsequent storms and, and, you know, big swell events like we've had the past week down around Portobasque Cape Ray, um, they're going to move these things up onto shore. So we may see more of this. It's quite possible. And it's also true that, that wrecks down in that area that were submerged, may sand may have been moved around and scoured away so that those wrecks are now more visible. Fascinating. No doubt this area is going to become a real haven for enthusiasts uh, like yourself with this kind of interest. I really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Linda. This is a great story. And, and we need to come up from time to time. There's been wrecks exposed up at the beach at Lumsden and obviously down down around the southwest coast. So it'll be interesting to see where the next one turns up. Thanks, Neil. Neil Burgess is with the Shipwreck Preservation Society. And it is fascinating to think about. We have such a rich marine history here. That's the reason why uh, this little place uh, has us here today. And, um, uh, you know, it's just fascinating to see these these parts of history suddenly. Hello, here uh, I am. Up here. Have a look at me. Before you'd have to rely on um, just imagination or divers if it weren't too deep. Mm-hmm. And uh, now just for that something, I, I don't want to say good, to come out of it, but like just revealing history and just we could learn so much from that. Right there on the beach. And yeah. just to see how it's, uh, you know, it is a fragment of this what was ostensibly once a mighty ship probably a sailing ship you know you got that picture in your mind of these massive pieces of human engineering you know plying the waters um and, and just to see how the material beautifully constructed and, it yeah. was you know from you know sheer grit and hard work you know putting all that skill and labor into something really extraordinary so uh hopefully as he says uh, you know it's there to look at you can see it it's right there but don't take uh, it but please don't start gnawing away at it because uh, really it's not going to last in your hands if it's not you know it is uh, something that's ephemeral but something to be appreciated so i'm sure it's garnered the attention because uh, um uh, ship people are like 
trained people. They are so keenly uh, familiar with, you know, uh, certain histories and that sort of thing. So maybe we might get somebody with the expertise to be able to say, you know what, this fits the profile of... And a new historic moment because then we would learn more and then those stories would be documented. Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. And I know that people are already speculating, mm-hmm. but um, as Neil Burgess said, hard to tell from Facebook if you know what I mean. But anyway, uh, we'll keep you up to date on that one as well as that story evolves and emerges. Well, we uh, are out of time for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow. Do join us then. Uh, stay warm and bye bye for now.